0: Our text for this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 5. It's right towards the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's just shared the Beatitudes, the blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, He's just finished that section and he's continuing to speak and just kind of revel in the fact that these are Jesus' words, like spoken as a sermon. Hear them directly from his mouth today. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, unless heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore... Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In this text this morning, Paul is really driving home this thought that Jesus fulfilled the law so we could fearlessly live it and follow it out. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law and the prophets, we know today to be the Old Testament. Those are the books of the, the law and the prophets. Jesus certainly didn't come to render the Old Testament void, for he constantly referred back to the Old Testament. Even in this Sermon on the Mount, he refers to the Ten Commandments again, refreshing that. How many Christians today, how many of us, think that it's important just to spend time in the New Testament, that the Old Testament is so old and outdated, it's, be, it's before Jesus, that we can just focus on the Gospel, just focus on the New Testament, Some Christians have the notion that the Old Testament is just that, it's it's old. That Jesus came and He he rendered it void. But the, the message of the Old Testament and the New Testament are the same message. You see, both the Old Testament and the New Testament both contain law. They both contain gospel. And both of them, most importantly, point to Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world promised from the beginning to come and set things right. The law is necessary still today to reveal God's original intent for our creation. To show that humanity is not capable of living up to being righteous under the law. It shows us our sin. It doesn't show us how to restore our relationship with God. It shows us our sinfulness. Only Jesus through His grace washing over us has the capacity to restore us into a right relationship with God, not our own obedience or failure to obey. So what's it mean that Jesus fulfilled the law? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. Jesus said, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and therefore teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So here's what Jesus is not saying He's not saying we need to relax the law. I have fulfilled it. Now you no longer have to do it. Let's just relax. We don't have to live things to the letter of the law. It's old-fashioned. It's out of date. It's irrelevant. Society has developed so much more to be accepting of everybody, of every kind, so we should do the same. That is not What Jesus is saying here at all. See, our fallen humanity likes to revel in sin. We like to enjoy and savor sinfulness. Satan loves to whisper in our ear that question that he asks everybody, did God really say? And in this circumstance, what he's saying is, did God really say that he wants to limit and restrict your life? Wouldn't it be so much more enjoyable, and certainly God wants you to be happy, wouldn't it be so much more enjoyable to just go out and experience all the pleasure of this world? And that's not what Jesus is saying. That would be relaxing the law. And that's not what he came to do, and that's not what Jesus, fulfilling the law, allows us to do. Here's what else it doesn't mean teaching the commands in a way that leads anyone to believe that they can accomplish them by their own work, by their own righteousness, by their own behavior, achieve this righteous goal that Jesus has set. Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of even the scribes and the Pharisees, who, by the way, believed that they had accomplished that righteousness, unless you are more righteous than them, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus is the one and only true source of righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. He's the only one who kept the law. That's what it means that he fulfilled it. He kept every, every tiny piece, every large piece of God's law perfectly without sin. That's righteousness. And see, the righteousness that we are to have is the righteousness of Christ. And because not one single person in this room, including myself, can do that, Jesus has this great trade agreement with us. He says, I will give you my perfect righteousness. I will gift you my righteousness. You receive it by the faith that I have given to you and have grown in you, and you give me your sin. You give me your brokenness, the hurt, the shame, the pain. Give it all to me, and I will give you my perfect righteousness. So when the Heavenly Father looks on us, he doesn't see any one of our sins because all of them have been taken to the cross and removed by Christ's death and proven victorious over his resurrection. And he looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Christ, the law perfectly kept, perfectly fulfilled as Jesus gives that to us, the gift of righteousness. And this is really what Jesus is getting at. He's teaching this, there's this important middle of the ground, middle of the road piece that is so incredibly important, not that we we just forget about the law, or not that we pretend like we can keep the law, but there's a place with attention right in the middle that's important. He's not come to abolish, do away with, or negate the law and the prophets. And neither neither has he come to just say that you don't have to, you, you, you can do it on your own. You can do it. It's inside you. I know you can. He's come to fulfill the Old Testament. Keep the law perfectly. Fulfill all of the prophecies. And in Jesus' life, the fulfillment of the Old Testament happened. So he came, was spoken in the Old Testament, might come to fruition, might happen, and it did. He did this on our behalf so that we could be credited with his righteousness because of faith. And that way, living in that righteousness, knowing that when God looks on us, he sees the righteousness of his son, this is the cool part, we get to follow the law without fear of breaking it. Like, we get to go do it. Like, we get to be the salt and the light in the earth without fear of messing up because we already have his righteousness. And the amazing thing is, is Satan's got it all wrong. That joy and peace and fulfillment doesn't come from seeking the pleasures of this world because each one of those just lie to you and tell you that it's fun and enjoyable and pleasurable and you deserve that. And it's all lies because it leaves you with less than you had before. The amazing piece of this is that when you recognize that you receive the righteousness of Christ and you live as salt and light in this world and you follow his commands, it leads to an abundant life. That these laws are not meant to restrict or limit our lives, but to open the door for us to receive this life that is beyond imagination. We get to be salt and light in the world. See, our calling is connected to our following of his law and living out as salt and life. If you have been called by Jesus to be a believer through the waters of your baptism, through the hearing of his word, through the receiving of his body and blood, then if you are called to follow Jesus, then you are called also to be the light and the salt in this world. You can't separate the two. They're intimately connected with each other. If you are a disciple, a follower, someone who believes in Jesus, then you are also equally called out, not invited, but called out to receive the mission of what it means to follow Jesus, and that's to be the salt and the light. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? There's no, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, salt has this purpose, especially back then, of preserving and flavoring food. Followers of Jesus, we we preserve and flavor the earth by living life as those who are blessed. Just before this, I mentioned there were those beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means that we humbly recognize that our spirit is damaged and broken, is poor, and we have a desperate need to be saved and to be filled with the Spirit of God, that we mourn the brokenness of this world. We have this quality called meekness, not seeking to build our own kingdom, but, but, but yearning with the strength of God, this quiet strength that dwells in us to have confidence in knowing that God's kingdom is coming, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to long desperately, For this world to be put right, to be merciful, not dishing out judgment or anger, even if people deserve it, but we hold it back, to be pure in heart, a heart that's awakened to the power of life in Christ. Be peacemakers, seeking reconciliation and, and not division and separation, to be willing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. We preserve the, the, and salt the whole creation by living blessed lives that, that invite others to experience and encounter the kingdom of God also. Then Jesus shifts from salt into a light metaphor. He says, you are the light of the world, which is interesting. Remember, Jesus was the light of the world, but now he says, you, you are now the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jerusalem was this city that was on top of a hill. It was was impossible to hide the city. Back in, in World War II, when there were night bombings and blackouts were employed, cities would shut off all of the lights so that the bombers, without all the navigational equipment that they have today, had a hard time seeing where the cities were at night. It makes me wonder, as the church comes under more and more attack, Do we sometimes try to employ the same strategy to just let our faith go dark so we can literally fly under the radar and the rest of the world doesn't know, and if the rest of the world doesn't know, then it can't persecute us for following Jesus. Jesus says, turn those lights on, man. Let the world see and know. That's why I put you in the world, to be the light, to shine my light into the darkness. There's this boldness that comes from having this strength that comes from faith. Uh, Last week, we were a part of a SELC Board of Directors meeting, and there we learned about uh, Pastor Prince, and Pastor Prince is a missionary who serves God's people in India. And he had this heartbreaking video that he showed, and there there were people that came in persecuting the Christians who were peacefully worshiping in church. And the video, you could hear the angry mob of men carrying uh, canes that they would use. And as they burst into the church, the people not responding in fear, but just out of meekness, this calm strength. And the people with the canes just came in and started beating the Christians, dragging them out of the church, beating them on the ground. That's a bold, fearless, living light and salt. Would we be so bold, so strong? It's really hard to say unless you're in that circumstance. Jesus wants you to be so bold, to be a beacon of hope, not to hide or hide our faith or hide our light. See, we're supposed to be this beacon of hope. I envision an entire community coming alive to the power of life in Christ. What would that look like here in Oviedo, here in central Florida? That's God's desire for you. And in order for that to happen, we must shine brightly and boldly in our homes, schools, places of work, and in our neighborhoods. We shine the power of the Holy Spirit as we live transformed lives of freedom, sacrifice, joy, and renewal. Then Jesus takes it from a city on a hill, a very, very public setting, and he brings it closer to home. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. The metaphor goes from the external to the internal, more of our personal lives. And this one's a hard one. How How do you be a faithful example to someone in your home who doesn't believe, how do you have those conversations? My encouragement to you, if that's a circumstance that you find yourself in, is that you listen to the Holy Spirit to give you moments and opportunities to speak Jesus to them in a loving, compassionate kind of way. And let your walk the way you live match up with that message so that that person can see and hear Jesus in and through your life. See, it's, it's difficult because sometimes our witness is opposite to the world. If we go back to those Beatitudes again, sometimes we do our best not to look like we are poor in spirit. We live the Instagram versus reality kind of life. We hide or, or medicate our mourning. We trade meekness for abusive strength. We hunger and thirst for all the wrong things. Without mercy, we punish those who have wronged us. Our hearts are anything but pure. And we don't seek peace or avoid conflict, but we run into it. See, we are called to live according to what we believe. What do you believe? In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that, this is why, this is why you are supposed to be salt and light in the world. Listen this. So that they may see your good works and give glory to To our Father who is in heaven. The whole reason you are called to be light and salt in this world is not for your salvation's sake. It's not for your relationship with God. Jesus has already sealed that up. That is secure and safe and no one can take you out of his hand. We are to do these good things, being the salt and the light in this world so that others would see it and give glory to God. That is why God created people, was to give glory to him. This life of freedom that we are set free from living the law out of fear of what will happen if we don't and out of joy for what will happen if we do. We are free to do our best with his help to live according to the law out of joy and boldness so that others could be invited into that spiritual abundance as well. Our good works is the evidence that Jesus' light is shining in our awakened hearts. And what are these good works? Thank you, God, for not having us just try to figure it out on our own. The Ten Commandments are a great place to start. That we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to keep God first, to have no other idols, to not look to anything else for our happiness or security but just Him, to let His name be on our lips the way a name from a lover to another is cherished, to take time weekly to stop and focus on who God is and what He does in our lives, to treat authorities with respect, even if you don't like them or agree with the direction they're leading. To not hurt or harm, but help and be a friend. To not misuse the precious gift of sex, but use it within the context of marriage. To not take stuff that doesn't belong to you, but generously give your stuff to those in need. To not speak badly about others, but to always speak well and encourage and put the best possible construction on every circumstance. To not live in in a constant state of discontentment but in deep, complete satisfaction in what God provides, your daily bread. And then when you mess up, as we always will, repent, turn back to God, and see his loving face eager to forgive. See, living according to the law is the sweetest, most satisfying way to live to be truly human, to to revel in the right relationship with God. Jesus has fulfilled the law for us so that we are free to follow it. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we, we praise you so much for this incredible sermon that Jesus spoke that speaks to us still today. God, we, we thank you and praise you that you have fulfilled the law and traded us, our sinfulness, for your pure and holy righteousness. Out of that freedom, Lord, allow us to live boldly lives of salt and light, keeping your word and sharing your love with this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.